When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for spending time. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr is in. We are loaded up. Bill Bender and George Darlington in hour two. Brandon Vogel coming up. We were supposed to do high school football tonight. COVID put the kibosh on that with two top ten teams. We would have been at the Seacrest Field now, but we're in studio. We're healthy and happy. We say hi to Gary Barnett, who's in the leadoff spot this Thursday. Coach giving us some time. Bless his heart. And uh, coach, uh, so you're you're down in in sunny Arizona. You got to be happy about that. Has things turned in in uh, in Buffland? Has it gotten colder out west? It just happened to get a little cold today as we left, Chris. So uh, good timing on my part. It was uh, when it was 39 when I left, and it was 91 when I landed. So uh, perfect timing. You are. On you are on it, man. Uh, way to way to get down to those those warmer temps. And I got to ask you, you're an offensive guy. What do you think of all the points being scored? That's where I want to start. Does it make you smile, or do you freak out for your your defensive buddies? Well, I think it, I I freak out more for my defensive buddies if I were given one of two choices there, because um, you, you still got to play defense to win, and. Uh, I, you know, I think this thing is, it's not just one thing. It's not just missing spring ball and um, probably not tackling as much in practice. I think it's sort of a combination of all those things. But I think we're seeing, Chris, um, what what started probably about five or six years ago with uh, concussions being an issue and people, uh, spring ball rules changing, uh, practice rules changing where you can't tackle, you can't go as live as you used to go. And I think what you're seeing is just fewer people really are good at tackling. And I don't think it's schemes at all. I, I mean, not, not that much has changed. But I do think that not being able to tackle, not being able to go full go, and not you know that's part of the game that's that you know when you started playing football you didn't just throw the ball you learned to tackle and and now uh you know you see a decline in the number of players that are playing a little bit you see the concussion issues being um you know infiltrating absolutely everything that you do in 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 high school football junior high football Little League and, and college football, I think it's a combination of all those things. I don't think it's just any one thing. 
Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. I think you're right about kind of the trickle down with just less contact in the name of safety, right? So you're either going to get guys that are really good tacklers from high school or you hope you can develop defensive players that turn into good college tacklers on the defensive side of the ball. And we see some of the teams that continually do that, those teams that have good defenses and those teams that are trying to get there. But, you know, what was your philosophy? Um, How often did you go live and what was that balancing act between beating the crap out of your team too much, but also getting them ready because you were in the Big 12, but you also lived in the Big 10. I mean, two physical leagues. I think a lot of it depends on your team, uh, you know, what, what, they, what they will buy into. And, uh, you know, I started recruiting guys who could tackle. I didn't care about their speed so much. But there was just guys that you watched on film that could tackle because teaching tackling um, is really a very limited situation right now and you don't get the time to teach it you don't get the privilege to teach it because you can't go as uh, full go as much as you need to in order to teach tackling so there's guys who have a knack for tackling and guys who don't so it, it came down for me to recruit more guys who could just naturally tackle people and like to tackle people um, and not care so much about how fast they were. Um, my teams, when we were really good, we were really physical. Um, we made people change the way they practiced because we went, we went live. 2001, for example, we went live for 10 minutes every day, uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And everybody knew it. They knew they got geared up. It was 15 plays of get after it. And it sort of created a mentality in our team. And, um, you know, I, I remember playing Nebraska, and I remember Frank Solich saying we had to change the way we practice in order to play these guys. And um, when you do that, when you make the other team change their practice, then you sort of have a mental edge. But we were, we were get after two days a week uh, for 10 minutes a day team. Now, I, I, as time went on, we'd have 15 plays, and I'd blow the whistle after 13, uh, just not want to take a chance. I wasn't going to get somebody hurt on the last play, on the 15th play. So I started coaching a little bit defensively like that. But um, I, I do think that you have got – to build that mentality, if that's the kind of team you want, and that's the kind of team we wanted, and that's the kind of team our team wanted to be, was that we were going to be physical and we were going to make people change the way they practiced. I think you have to have that mentality uh, in in college football to win, Coach, and I think you got to have it in in the Big Ten. When I look at the Ohio States and the Michigans and I look at what Fitz has got at Northwestern, I mean, it seems like every – and I think being in Nebraska – we have learned that over and over. Iowa, Wisconsin, and, and, and you, you, you won the league. Yep. It's, it's, it's just you, you got to get a team to, to buy in and adopt that mindset, don't you, within the Big Ten and especially even now in 2020, I mean, to, to get through the league. There's going to be teams that are super uber talented, right, with just guys that, that could go to the next level. But if you pair that with a mentality where they want to just squish you, 
I mean, that that's winning football, isn't it? Well, I, I believe so. And, of course, if you have, you know, Ohio State's a perfect example of being able to do both. And, um, you know, you, you, you can't always do both. You know, you can't always have the talent that Ohio State has. Uh, but uh, the talent will, will, you know, it'll take care of finesse. Uh, on the defensive side. In other words, if you try to finesse a really talented team, you you may win a couple, but you're not going to go win week in and week out. You got to have something else, and and that's where the physicality sort of comes in. What's your uh, immediate reaction? Some early lines are out for next weekend, and uh, Nebraska's dogged in Columbus. It's minus twenty one and a half. What's your initial thought? Oh, my initial thought is. Um, boy, first game, I, uh, that's a lot of points uh, to put on a spread. And uh, to a team, you know, Nebraska's got quite a few guys coming back, but uh, you're also playing maybe the top two ten, one of the top two teams in the country. Um, what, what I, my initial, I, the points are one thing, but, you know, what's happened is everybody's watched the ACC for a while now. They've watched the SEC for a while, the Big 12 now. And they're, it's sort of already shaken out. You know who the good teams are. You know who the bad teams are. And people want to see more good teams. And so there's going to be a lot more interest in Nebraska playing um, Ohio State now because, you know, there just aren't that many games. You look at the games this weekend, for example, there really aren't that many good games anymore because some of these teams have already decided their fate. And um, so I think you're going to see a lot of interest in that game, for one thing. But, you know, probably that's probably about right, Chris, I would think, um, given a team as talented as as Ohio State is and how long everybody's waited to play. I want to ask you about uh, the Nebraska quarterback situation. And I know we talked a little bit last week. There's still no decision. There's been some more clarity on it, as in just how well – Luke McCaffrey has performed in the work he put in with his family and the steps he's taken to, to close the gap. And it's not like Adrian's had a, a bad camp either. He's been really hungry because he didn't like how last year went. But in, in your experience, uh, when, when you have a guy who's going into his third year, potentially as a starter, get pushed by uh, a kid that, uh, just a glimpse of. I mean, a total of 12 passes, but man, he's dynamic with, with the run game and he's he's improved as a thrower. Is that more of a statement about why wow, we hit on this McCaffrey kid and we know about his family, or is it is it a, a statement about just where Adrian needs to go to take that next step? How do you view that? Well, first of all, don't make a decision until you have to make it. Right. And, uh, you know, especially in this case. So you're, you're going to give it more time. You're going to let things shake out a little bit more. You're going to assess things a little bit longer because, uh, you know, if you'd made this decision two weeks ago, it would have been way too early. And, and the chances of that not being a good decision are much greater. And so I, I, I think in this case where you've got a, a dogfight, you know, don't make your decision too early. And, you know, we talked last week about it isn't all that bad if you got to play two guys. It comes down to how the team views it, mm-hmm. not, not how you view it or how the fans view it, but how the team views it. And uh, if they see it as a dead heat, 
then whatever you do, uh, if you play them both, they're going to be good with that. And uh, I don't think you should necessarily be afraid of doing that. Is there a, an instance with you where you were just you had a good problem at quarterback where you had man it was it was so close how did is there something that comes to memory Sure yeah I had I had a really hot shot young guy at Northwestern and uh, in the spring prior to the Rose Bowl year um, you know I made a decision before I needed to make a decision and I went with him at the end of spring. And, uh, you know, uh, as the course of the summer uh, unfolded, he, you know, he didn't do what he needed to do as the quarterback. He just, in fact, he didn't even show up for camp <laughs> in the fall. So, you know, I, I, had to, I went with Steve Schnurr after uh, uh, giving another quarterback, Chris Hamdorf, the bat, a battle. Bat, those two battled it out, and then I went with Steve. But, um yeah, you got to be careful about that sort of stuff. And um, uh, I'm speaking from experience here in making a mistake. So, yeah, it's happened to me. So how did the conversation go with Steve That since, since the guy didn't show up to camp? Was that pleasant? Well, no, it's never pleasant. But <laughs> Steve, Steve, and Steve showed up to camp in a boot. He'd hurt his ankle over the, over the summer playing, doing seven-on-seven. Seven. And so Hamdorf was really our, Chris was our only, uh, and he was from Iowa, he was our only real healthy quarterback because the other guy didn't show up and Steve was in a boot. But he wasn't going to be in for for long. And so um, when the, the hardest conversation was to tell Steve that I was going to go with Lloyd Abramson, a mm. uh, kid from, from uh, Michigan, uh, that that's, who we were going to go with at the end of the spring. That was the tough decision. And then I had to back out of that one after Lloyd uh, failed to even report in the fall and uh, say, Steve, you're back in contention. And, you know, you, it, it, most of that comes down to him and not me mm-hmm. and how he reacted to it. And he reacted to it just fine, I'm sure. To this day, if he had put us in a room, he'd say he was really pissed, but that's okay. Uh, we got through it. Excuse me for using that language. You're good. You're good, uh, Coach. <laughs> so, anyway, it worked out. Gary fact, Barnett's... We're doing a big webinar tonight on the Rose Bowl game. Oh, yeah. I'm going to see Steve. That'll so. be great. That'll be cool. Uh, Coach, last thought, and Gary Barnett's with us. Thanks for squeezing us in. Interested to see how you think things shake out with Bama and Georgia. I know Saban's probably not a, a great uh, – Patient. I mean, he's zooming now. I guarantee he's zooming now about about the game plan. Sark will take over the duties, but this is now is down to four and a half points. I think Bam is still favored. But what do you think uh, Saturday night? Well, uh, he's he's not playing Ole Miss's defense, so they're not going to put fifty six points or sixty two points or whatever it was. Uh, and I don't know if you got a chance to watch that game. Loved it. It was a great but, game. Good grief. Talk about not a, there wasn't a tackler on the field for that game. But, uh, you know, it started off at six, and I don't know whether it dropped because of Saban being out with COVID, but um, I, I got to think that top to bottom that probably Georgia may be a better team because they are so good defensively, and they're just good enough on offense. So, um, you know, I would take – 
I would take George if I were if I were prone to bet, mm-hmm. which I'm not. But if I were, uh, and don't, no one should take my advice, by the way. Right. Um, I'm probably about 33 percent for the year, <laughs> but I would I, I think. Georgia with three points is, is the way to go. Coach, a lot of season left to get that flipped. Uh, <laughs> I know. I'm working hard at it, Chris, but it's a crazy year. It is. Coach, you have a, a good webinar with your Northwestern team, and uh, best to you down in Arizona. Stay, uh, stay safe and healthy, Coach. Thanks for the time today. Thanks, Chris. Great being with you. Take care. It's Gary Barnett with us. Get things kicked off, and he is uh, awesome. Uh, usually our, our 505 central spot, but he has got a, a reunion with his uh, 25-year anniversary Rose Bowl Northwestern team. That was awesome. Love his perspective on the quarterback. Well, here's some more about the quarterback, and don't worry. We'll get to Coach Lubick and Wandale and Mr. Moustache. Cade Warner, or Super Mario, as he's been called on social media. Brandon Vogel's on the way. Great to be with you on a Thursday at Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! That was good stuff from Gary Barnett and uh, Damon Barr between drinks of rum. We'll get that posted on Twitter and uh, the ESPN On Demand section, ESPNLincoln.com. You read him with HaleVarsity.com, and the new magazine is out. Finally, football season. Get your issue today. Get your subscription today. HaleVarsity.com and magazine. Bundle it and smile. We say hi to Brandon Vogel, managing editor at uh, Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, I've got football fans that I don't know if they're trying to aerate their backyard, but they're sitting on the deck listening to the show, uh, Nick and, and Bert, and one's drinking a Leinenkugel, the other's drinking a Sapporo Japanese beer that's just phenomenal. And that is not fair uh, torture because it's it's 60 and fallout right now, and they're uh, good for them to be listening uh, bad for me that there's a half bottle of beer that's uh, that's gone. Uh, that there's taunting me with. Yeah, that is a bad deal for you. Um, I, I enjoy the the Sapporo. It is it's you know it's not one of those beers where you you, you drink it and you're like oh my gosh this is the best beer I've ever had but it's just pretty pretty light and refreshing in a in a can that if you've ever picked up or seen the Sapporo can that feels basically indestructible. Like you could run over that thing with your car and I'm not sure you would, uh, you would dent it. So I'm with you. I, I'm with them. These, these fall temperatures feel pretty great. Uh, and Hey, we're almost there. Uh, less, well, a little bit more than a week away, I guess, from, from Nebraska football. It took a lot to get there. You know, it did. And I was talking to coach Barnett and, his take was that's a lot of points for Ohio State to be favored, but it's not completely off. That's that's how I kind of interpret yeah. it because of, because of what Ohio State is. We got into tackling and points and all that's gone on in college football uh, early on, and it's it's just kind of a trickle down thing, you know, five six years ago where you're just not getting that much contact, and then here's your 2020 version of of some teams can tackle and hit and some can't. Uh, coupled with some good schemes, I'm interested in your thoughts um, as we move forward here. What, what's what's the offense do for Nebraska early on? 
What's your take on the point spread against Ohio State? We'll hear from Wandale's. Wandale didn't care. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, what, what's your immediate reaction to that here, uh, that number, and then the Nebraska offense? What, what do you think they can do early out of the gates here? Really good defenses and good opponents the first couple of weeks here. Yeah, I think I, the, the number to me was about what I thought I would, would open at, um, you know, 21 and a half. Uh, don't, don't know if it's gone up or down since, since it was released a couple of hours ago, but uh, yeah, that's, that's about the difference. I think uh, we, you look at, you can look at uh, a handful of power rankings and, and see that that's pretty much where they'd have it. Um, you know, but, and this is, we, we, we've talked about this at various points over the lead up to, to the schedule. One of the good things about playing a, a team in, in week one, uh, specifically a team like Ohio State, is you don't know. I mean, a large portion of those power rankings are, are based on last year. Um, and, and there is traditionally a lot of carryover year to year in college football. But Mississippi State was a 17 and a half point underdog at, at LSU. Uh, so <laughs> t- take solace in that, I guess, at least as far as week ones go. Uh, maybe having watched Mississippi State play in the, in the weeks after that game, maybe don't take so much solace in that. So you just open that door for a good amount of uncertainty. And I think that's even that's true of any week one, but I think you even amplify it a little bit given the unconventional offseason that we've had. But I think you're on the, on the right track overall. Um, Nebraska, Nebraska has a lot to replace defensively. Um, they've got some work to do on that side. But the bigger question for me still is, is what can they do on offense? Um, spend some time this week for, for something that will go next week. Looking back at that 2018 Nebraska-Ohio State game versus 2019, one of the big things was is they, they had early down success. They stayed on schedule against a Ohio State defense that was super talented. Um, so when it gets time to, to preview that game and, and thank God that time's getting close, uh, I think that'll be a key part of it. You know, Matt Lubick uh, met with the media today and the head coach Frost earlier in the week and this competition I'm sure is, is kind of grading on, on the coaches, just the, the questions they've got to continually answer, but fans want to know where, you know, where's this thing at, but as you look at it, I'm interested here with McCaffrey's just jump, right? The the jump as as a passer, because we think the guy's an athlete and he can run and the zone read side of things, and even on the move, uh, yeah, the guy can can be effective throwing the ball. But how how effective can he be? And you know what's that gap, Vogues, when it comes to the passing game? And the the quick blinking, right? That's that's the key to this offense with Frost and everybody that is part uh, of it with Frost. That's Lubick. That's that's Verduzco. And and to me, that's that's the amazing part. Not that he can't do it, but he's done it this soon. Yeah, and that's and that's the tough thing to to really assess from from our point of view, and 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 from anybody's point of view who's not there and and seeing practice which is a, a severely reduced number at the moment um, because you can't, you can't make that determination. You can't say essentially what Wondell Robinson said uh, that Luke McCaffrey's taking 10 steps as a passer because 
you don't know. And you don't even really know, like, 10 steps from where. Because right. they only threw, you know, 12 or 14 passes last year. That's That's the tough part. But when you really start to kind of stop and break this down, I think, and and to be to be completely honest, like two or three weeks ago, I think the first time that, that Matt Lubick spoke at a post-practice availability, he said, yeah, if we had to play today, Adrian Martinez is the guy. And I was like, okay, that yeah, that makes sense. That's pretty much where I was at, too. And it's only been since then that we've really had to consider, okay, maybe there's maybe this isn't like signed, sealed, and delivered, that that's the starter. And if that were to be the case, like if, if McCaffrey were to basically close that gap and maybe overtake Adrian Martinez, I think the, the big thing would be the passing game. Can he be basically an equivalent or better passer than, than Adrian Martinez has been over two years as the majority starter? Because you could look at him and you can look at his family and, and, and factor that in mm-hmm. and say, yeah, we have a pretty good feeling that he can run the football and make some things happen and make some plays that way. The problem is, like, Adrian Martinez is, a comp- is a, an accomplished runner. Um, that's probably his, his best foot forward at this point. Most of the questions reside with, with the passing game. But when you look at this as two people competing in a race, you're, you're kind of looking at the, the same foot race, I guess. Like, okay, we've got two guys that we feel good about. Like, hey, if they need to scramble and make, make something happen, much less a design QB run, you feel pretty good. It's, it's who gives you the most in the passing game. And that's where I think that race gets pretty close. Vogues, I, I think the attention to detail and the commentary and feedback on Coach Lubick, not only his familiarity with Coach Frost, but just – Kind of the, the the jump, I guess, or the the familiarity with each other has made uh, a second year or a third year in this offense, or even a first year for some guys, really uh, move forward specifically with their development or understanding or just what they what they need to do. When we look at some of the young wideouts for for Nebraska, and I know there's some question marks, not necessarily anymore about about Wandale. Or Alante Dingwise, they're, they're they're healthy. It sounds like per per Lubick, but just you know, when we talk about a Betts, when we talk about a Houston, when we talk about some of the other wideouts, do you, do you feel better about some of the young guys contributing maybe sooner rather than later this season? I I think they'll contribute, but I the the fine line I have to walk with that is. Uh, are, are they contributing because they're ready to, or because that it's what Nebraska needs? Gotcha. Um, it's, it's, it's been, it's been interesting with, with Nebraska's wide receivers. And, you know, we kind of know Omar Manning was a guy who was easy to, to point to and said, that's a difference maker. And we don't know his status for, for this first game. Um, and, and hopefully that works itself out. Alante Brown is a new addition slash scholarship guy whose name has come up often. Lubick said today, you know, he's he's good to go. He's a full go in practice after two days ago. Frost mentioned that he'd been he'd been nicked up. So somebody like that helps. But you know, all of the wide receivers is a key area of intrigue for Nebraska. So much so that these these players and coaches get asked about it really every time up. And, and the names you hear are Levi Falk, Kurt Warner. Um, you, you get a handful of walk-ins in there, walk-ons in there, which gives me a little bit of pause. Not because um, they, 
they couldn't be immediate, you know, contributors and, and, and a good addition to that room, uh, more developed with, with another year in the program. But we, we're all well aware of sort of the depth issues Nebraska has battled on the wide receiver front and really tried to address with signing five in the 2020 class. But those aren't the names that you hear. Um, which I, I, I'm honestly not sure what to make of that at this point. It, it makes you stop a little bit um, because until you see them on the field, until you can see what they can do, you know, Kurt Warner's a guy that I think most people feel pretty good about. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the off season, you know, two, three months ago, when you're just like, okay, who are the first three wide receivers out? I think because a walk-on, because he's a walk-on perhaps, he, he – doesn't make that top three. So, so what do you do with that? Um, and it's it's just tough to know at this stage in fall camp. Well, you're you see, I got about a minute left. You see, other programs have freshmen come in yep. and kick butt, and you you get a guy that has high level recruiting rankings or wowed you on film. Why isn't he ready at Nebraska? Why can't Nebraska get a guy? Why can't there be more Wandales? And to be honest, they're the exception to the rule. It takes a dude two years to learn how you got to play at this level. Honestly, uh, in my opinion, even if he's got first round talent, it, it takes a while to get uh, ready for it. Vogues will uh, get caught up, brother, on Saturday morning. I want to thank you and Aaron uh, Sorensen and the crew at, at Hale Varsity for the, the nice tribute to, to my dad in the magazine. I really can't say thanks enough for that. That made me smile today. Excellent. That's all we were going for. (laughs) Good talking with you, and thanks so much, bud. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. We'll uh, get into some comments from Matt Lubick, more on the Husker offense, the quarterback race. Thoughts from Wandale and Mr. Mustache, too, next hour. Hale Varsity rolls forward. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. All right, we'll hear from Bill Bender, Sporting News, 25 minutes. George Darlington, he's got football facts going on, and Coach George will uh, check in with us at 525. Let's hear from uh, Matt Lubick. I haven't, I haven't called him Sonny, have I? Not with Brandon. My mind is racing. I remember meeting his dad, and his dad was an awesome coach. He is an awesome coach at Colorado State for 100 years. was the defensive coordinator for all those hurricane teams that just whacked about everybody. But uh, this is uh, Matt Lubick. Let's, let's just get to it with the, the, the quarterback race. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, what Lubick had to say about uh, Adrian and uh, Luke McCaffrey, because this is what we're interested in. He'll be able to have a voice on on the say at quarterback here. And uh, here is uh, Coach Lubick from earlier today. Well, it's an on. First of all, we feel great about all our quarterbacks. You know, Luke and Adrian are playing at a very, very high level. And uh, just in the brief time that I've been here, I've seen huge improvements. It's an ongoing evaluation. We evaluate it every single day. They both can win for us. They both are moving the ball. Um, That's going to be a decision between Coach Frost, uh, Mario, and myself. That's going to come up very soon. So that was Matt Lubick on, on McCaffrey and Adrian 
let's run the the Wandale commentary on the quarterback race. We'll get your perspective not only from Warner and from Lubick, but here's Wandale Robinson as he was able to open up a little bit about the steps that he made uh, with uh, the progress. Uh, Luke's battle, cut 19. Got it. Uh, here is uh, Wandale Robinson. We'll hear more from Wandale, but this let's keep it quarterback-centric right here. Um, it's just a testament to how much work Luke's put in. Um, during the offseason, I'm sure he was with his brothers working. Um, I know he was watching film, doing everything he can just to become a complete quarterback. Um, that was obviously something that he felt like he needed to probably step up in was the passing game, and so which <clears throat> in our scrimmages and things like just in practice, you can tell he's taken ten steps um, in that in that phase of the game, and so he's looked really really good all throughout practices and everything. So you can put the work in, you can get better, and to do that during the hell that has been pandemic twenty twenty, uh, that takes a special kid with a special family and uh, maybe an older brother that's uh, the best at what he does. So all of that worked together and you've had Adrian that's, that's made strides and, and Adrian's healthy. So we'll see where this is at. If they're on the field at the same time together, have fun with that defenses. And, and I, I am, I am there to see that. Uh, I about I haven't okay so I can't call Matt Lubick Sonny which I haven't yet and I can't call Cade Kurt I haven't done that yet but uh, I got a kick out of Kurt Warner telling Cade to, to shave that thing because Mama wants to see you know her baby's face and our our old friend Danny Woodhead chiming in saying don't you dare touch that there's the ongoing Twitter discussion of. Who's got the better stash? Is it Cade Warner or is it Westerkamp? And Jordan was Mr. Stash. It was the Magnum P.I. look. He made a Hail Mary and ran, you know, and caught a, a lot of balls. Some magician work, by the way, during his career. So uh, here is Warner back to the quarterbacks on, on just where Luke's come from. And there's been uh, no shortage of, of compliments that have been well-earned on Luke McCaffrey this week. I mean, they're both very athletic guys, and that's always cool to see um, them roll out of the pocket, make plays. Um, but I think the biggest thing this year that they've progressed on is being able to stay in the pocket and make those throws. Um, they're difficult throws, and they're making them now. So I think that leap forward has been great to see, especially as a guy catching those footballs. It's been great to see. Um, but I think they both took a step forward in being able to stay in the pocket and throw. Um, Adrian's done a great job um, increasing on his deep ball accuracy as well as being able to play um, all three levels of the passing game. I think Luke's done a great job coming in here and competing, pushing Adrian every single day, saying, hey, I'm coming, I'm coming, you better keep working. So Luke's done a great job being a great leader in that role. And I think that one-two punch that they both have is a great dynamic for our football team. It gives our defenses a ton of different good looks, which is awesome to see. And I think they can both bring something to the table. Think about this. Uh, and, yeah, you have your flat, you have your over the middle, you have your deep passes. And, and Adrian, ever since he's been here, the guy has been fantastic with dropping some throws into a bucket. A lot of them were to Spielman. I mean, think of those big plays. Uh, I look at the, the the throw on the move McCaffrey had uh, to Noah, 
uh, last year against Indiana. That was a, that was sweet, and that's a hard play to make as as you're rolling and throwing on the run. Takes a special athlete, and the thing with Adrian and, and so let's just talk about the time that they have in the pocket. Well, the offensive line's given them time you know, when they've been live. So don't breathe wrong on the quarterback, but there's been some pressures. And to be able to be accurate and find that that play over the middle. The other thing, too, is you're going to have to have touch in this offense because in the red zone, if they don't just power it in with Mills in the offensive line or, or, the, or, or the quarterback run game to be better, more efficient in the red zone offensively, don't kid yourself, man. I mean, I think you're finally going to see some some alley-oops to Austin Allen. You've got bigger wide receivers. You can put bets in, even as a freshman, and let him go high point something. Uh, and, and that's not uncommon. Last thought here from, from Cade Warner uh, on McCaffrey. Yeah, I think uh, growing up around football, it's a lot of com- competition between you and your siblings, um, your dad. Obviously, his dad played too, so it's a lot of competition within the family. Um, and I think that brings uh, it onto the football field too. And I think he brought back that kind of competition aspect of it. So I really liked what I've seen from him. Uh, he's a great guy. He's played really, really well. And I'm happy to see that for him because I, I love the dude. Um, but, yeah, no, he he brings a different mindset because he has so much energy, so much built up, um, just passion for the game. So it's always, always fun to see him out there and, and play and, and I love when he's out there with me. Last thought from Lubick, keys that go in to making that quarterback decision on, on how soon that happens. There's a lot of things, but to be the biggest thing is who gives us the best chance to win. They both can win. They both can play. But who gives us the best chance? And the fact that it's a hard decision is a good, is a good situation because, like I said, we got two guys we feel really good about. So there it is. Uh, more from Coach Lubick. And uh, Wandale, his commentary on the point spread. You know, there's a lot of Nebraska fans out there that are fearing this Ohio State game. I'm excited for it. I'm anxious. The 21 and a half. You're going to have Nebraska with a bit of chip on their shoulder. And I know that that's very common. Well, yeah, no one likes how last year went. Five and seven was a kick in the junk. I, I get you. And no one is more pissed about it than them. Now, does that translate to covering the number against Ohio State? No idea. I will tell you in a week. I will tell you in a week. But did Nebraska have any business hanging with them two years ago? They, they could be better than two years ago. We'll wind down hour one next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Bill Bender's coming up 10 minutes away. Uh, Sporting news, college football thoughts from Bill. We'll talk with him about Nebraska, the uh, COVID Saban situation. George Darlington at 525, longtime Nebraska assistant, Hall of Fame assistant coach, as uh, Coach George will join us. So let's dive into some NBA for two seconds, and that's Ty Lue, the uh, pride of Mexico, Missouri, him and Cookie Belcher. Loved watching Ty Lue play ball and get Nebraska to the NCAA tournament. Uh, was excited, so excited for him when he got the title done 
and one in Cleveland. That was great. Got hosed. Shouldn't have been booted. Not his bad. So now he is following his mentor, Doc Rivers, as uh, Woj announcing that Ty is Lou's agreed to a five-year deal with the Clippers. And the thing about Lou, and I talk to people around the league that, that know him from his days at Nebraska, but also folks that are, that are in the NBA, Ty Lou has had the ability to, in his career, absolutely earn boatloadfuls of respect. That's from Shaq. That's from Jordan. That's from LeBron. That's from ownership. How and why? How does a guy that was a really good role player and remember J.R. Ryder? I do. You want a dunk contest. Really good ball player. More physical skills than, than, than Ty Lu. Well, Lou got his postseason roster spot under Phil Jackson in the Iverson-Laker finals almost 20 years ago. How'd that happen? Shouldn't, right? Yeah, J.R. Ryder, 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", dude that can shoot, dunk, drive. And there's, there's Lou. Well, Lou's work ethic has been matched by very few as a player, as a teammate, as a coach, and as an assistant. And with Lou, he needs a second crack. He needs another chance. And, and I think his personality, guys will buy in for Lou. And you've got a, a ton of talent there with the Clippers. And for, for, for Doc to not get it done with their lead, Denver's a special squad. They're fun. They're really talented. But when you've got Kawhi and you got Paul and you've got some of that talent on that roster, Doc probably was sick of dealing with them a little bit. Maybe his voice started, and I hate saying this about Doc Rivers because I think he's awesome, but his voice probably started sounding a lot like Charlie Brown's teacher. And and then there's Lou. And guys like Ty Lou. Guys will, will play for Tyron Lou, and guys will win for Tyron Lou. This may be the answer. The other dude, Chauncey Billups, uh, another stud with the Buffs uh, and their NCAA tournament team. You know what Chauncey did uh, for Detroit and another championship. So very similar guys. Chauncey was probably uh, more of an all-star ball player. But but Chauncey's going to get groomed because he wants a head job. And he'll get groomed. And this is part of the, the, the doc tree. And you can make this higher because of the respect level for Lou. And who knows LeBron and the Lakers? Lou does. Played for him and he coached LeBron to a title. Know your enemy a little bit? So this makes some sense. Bill Bender's coming up. Sporting news. Some thoughts on the NFL and college ball next. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Good things kicked off. Hour two at Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Bill Bender back with this. The sporting news. Talk some pigskin at Bill Bender. 92 is where you find him on Twitter. Bill was supposed to be a, a, a pretty awesome weekend of college football, and uh, COVID has reared its ugly head. Uh, the the bombshell yesterday with Saban and athletic director Byrne contracting COVID, and and I know if if Saban could, he would find a way to uh, to have a a Zoom meeting on that sideline that isn't allowed. But man, uh, what what's your reaction to to the outbreak in the SEC? No, I mean it's every week, and this one's more pronounced. It poses some big picture questions about the season itself. I mean, you know, I, I think it's if Georgia and Alabama for some reason get postponed, then um, then we're going to have a big problem because that was the biggest game on the season to this point. So I think there's a lot of things that work there, but uh, we'll see what happens next. And, and as we talked about before I came on, I mean, mm-hmm. you got to wonder what it means for the Big Ten as they get ready to play here soon. Well, and, and that's just the question, you know, in our neck of the woods, uh, Nebraska, Ohio State, a week from, from Saturday, Man, there's been so much uh, excitement and anticipation for that. Uh, all that being said, uh, the Big Ten's been pretty diligent with their daily testing, uh, and the thresholds are just incredibly intense to be able to even play. So uh, we'll see. And I know the SEC's been doing, in some some schools, have done daily testing. At a minimum, they've done... Uh, you know, uh, three tests per week, and I guess A and M and and Mississippi State is is the next game uh, to lean on because LSU and Florida uh, were uh, were supposed to go, and that's that's been postponed. To to talk defenses here for a minute, what's your take on on why offenses have been so great? Is this COVID related, or or are offenses on just a whole new level this year? Well, I think there's many layers to that. Obviously, um, the defenses are good in general. There's a lot of skill position talent. I mean, last weekend alone, you're watching Ole Miss and uh, Alabama, mm-hmm. Texas A&M, Florida, Missouri, LSU, even, and, and the offensive talent is pretty superior. Now, not having a full off season, not having spring practice, not having you know tackling in a lot of ways at a lot of places over fall camp. Um, all adds up to higher scoring games. I do think the game has become an offensive game. We all know that. But uh, it's, it, I guess, Chris, to your point, it's really hard to kind of pinpoint what a good defense really is. It is. And I've had to reevaluate this too, uh, Bill, because I, I, you know, watching Nebraska growing up, 14 to 17 points, 21 points even, as, as we got into the 2000s, pretty acceptable and i'm not even a a yards guy uh as much anymore it used to be oh no they they got 450 yards uh, of offense on your defense and you talk to a defensive coordinator and his response would be yeah how many points did they get (laughs) it's like well well, you know point taken i i get it but now it's i mean bama's allowing 30 florida's allowing 30 and you know 33 points Uh, lsu's been been bludgeoned and it's just harder to kind of reload 
even with some of these high-level prestigious programs, there's there's the learning curve of a defense, and then there's experience on top of refining the tackling. And, and there's less and less contact, obviously, Monday through Friday in college football. So I don't know, man. I think if I can get off the field on third down, uh, you know, 70% of the time, and my red zone defense is, is giving up threes instead of sevens, I can deal with, with allowing 28 points as long as my offense is getting me 35. That's kind of the new normal, don't you think? Yeah, and it really is. And it's become that. And I think like 20 to 24 points isn't a bad defense a game. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, as long as you're scoring 40. I mean, you look at the high-scoring offenses at LSU, Alabama, Clemson. I mean, we, we always sit, sit there and say, well, Clemson didn't play great, but they end up scoring 50 points, and they give up 28, and that's considered bad. But mm-hmm. I, it might, that might actually be the new normal in some ways, where you win 52-28, and that's a good game. I think that point total, you know, you hit 30 points. Wow, you had a good day offensively. No, you had a normal day offensively. I want to go there for a moment, and I know you're in in Big Ten country, and I'm anxious to see Nebraska uh, against Ohio State, and I'm interested. We things still aren't settled here in Lincoln at quarterback. The competition is very real between Adrian Martinez and and Luke McCaffrey. And as you look at a year three, and, and I know you're familiar with Nebraska and Frost specifically, but you know what? What do you anticipate, Bill, uh, just from a national view with with this offense with Nebraska this season? What do you think the offense can be? And I know it's a bit of a tough question because yeah. I can't tell you who the quarterback is, but just in general, when you look at Frost's you know track record offensively, what what can year three look like? Well, there's a lot of the unknown, and I think um, we'll see how it goes. But, um, you know, again, I think that they, he's done a better job of recruiting some, some position, skill position talent that fits his system. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the quarterback battle. That's going to be something that comes into focus. Uh, the early season schedule, obviously, is beyond – I mean, brutal would be an understatement yeah. to what they're facing early. But, you know, you got to come along like that. So I think – I still think Nebraska, and I always hold back on his own quote when he said, we're going to build this brick by brick, mm-hmm. and it's going to take longer than expected, but I, and I might be, I'm not pandering to my audience here, but I think Scott Frost is still the right guy for that job. Mm-hmm. No, and the the other side of that equation, we're just talking defense, you know, how much better can, can the Nebraska defense be in the Big Ten against the run? And what can they do getting after the quarterback? What can you do takeaway-wise? Because it is situational football a lot of times. The other question I have with the Big Ten, Bill, what do you think happens defensively? I mean, I, I look at Ohio State, I look at Iowa, and I look at Wisconsin and, and Penn State, too. I mean, those are premier defenses. They're top 20 defenses every year. What, what's what's their outlook? Are teams in the Big Ten going to be able to score 30-plus points? I don't think I remember <laughs> uh, Wisconsin or Iowa allowing too many 30-point games, to be honest with you. Well, and that's it'll be interesting to see if they, they make that adjustment to style. And that's what Ohio State kind of did that when mm-hmm. they hired Ryan Day. They went to a more – remember that first season with Ryan Day – and they scored a ton of points, but they couldn't stop anybody. Right. And they won the Big Ten with a 
one of the worst defenses in Ohio State school history. You know, they end up beating Northwestern. Now it caught them and bit them when they went to Purdue and lost the game. Mm -hmm. And that's one of my theories with this kind of offense is every once in a while you can play that offense and it's great. Um, But every once in a while you'll catch a team that can play some offense too and, and it certainly throws everything off. What can you survive, right? I mean, that's just, you know, can you get enough on a bad day defensively from your offense where you, you've got to win a shootout, right? It used to be, can you, can you win a 9-6 to six game a few times a year and, and survive the physical toll, right? What's your depth look like? Depth is still important, but now is your offense going to have enough points to just flat out outscore somebody someday? It's awesome to see how things have transitioned in the world of college football. Is Ohio State your 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 favorite for a championship run? I mean, I, I look at what they have, and uh, I know what's coming back offensively, but defensively, they're going to be really good again, too. I mean, they'll be as good or better when you look at personnel Clemson-wise. I mean, there's not a not a, not a lot of new parts to plug in there, is there? No, Ohio State would be really good. They've got, uh, you know, just good quarterback. Good. Re- mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of good things about their receivers. Um, Garrett Wilson's going to be a sophomore. He's going to be a name that jumps into a lot of living rooms this fall. Um, Chris Olave, obviously. Yeah. They've got depth at that position and a lot of speed. Um which fits that system. You know, we'll see what Trey Sermon does at running back. I think the hole they're going to have to fill is not an easy one, but I always say, you know, they lose Chase Young. You're like, well, who's going to step up and do that? But, you know, we said that about the last two Bozo brothers, too. They'll Mm -hmm. find somebody. It'll probably be Zach Harrison. They'll be really good. Can't wait for that 11 o'clock kick, uh, Nebraska at Ohio State. Bill Bender talking some football with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Read Bill. Uh, with the sporting news, follow him on Twitter at BillBender92. Bill, going to get to the weekend of the NFL, and uh, let's go to Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Cleveland's really feeling things at a high level, and I know that Chubb's out, but the run game's been big time. The defense has been good enough. What's your early lean here between Pittsburgh and Cleveland? Does Cleveland break through here, or is it still Pittsburgh's division? Well, I mean, that's that's the big question. This is the biggest game these two have played probably since their wild card game in the early 2000s. And, uh, you know, it's a statement game for Cleveland, which has looked efficient, on, especially on the offensive side. I uh, still have a few questions about the back end with their defense. But um, in Pittsburgh, I mean, they've always won this game, whether it was with the Bengals or the Browns. They typically find a way to win this game. So there's a, it's going to be a fun afternoon and with those two teams going at it. And, um, you know, they're going to see each other maybe two more times. I, I think both teams are playoff caliber. That division's really tough. And uh, the Ravens will have something to say about it, too. Yeah, Ravens, I, I did not mean to just step over our old buddy Sam Cook and, and his Ravens. <laughs> they're, they're, they're really, really talented. But, yeah, I mean, this uh, this is get you those old feelings growing up watching the, uh, the AFC Central. Uh, this will be a lot of fun, too. Tampa, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay. The, the, the Tampa offense is, is moving uh, towards more cohesion. They've looked better. Green Bay is just a, a party right now. They are fun. Aaron's playing really good football. Uh, are you, uh, you going to nestle up uh, to a bar 
near uh, <laughs> near you and, and just and they just smile about this as the Packer fan you are? Yeah, you got to enjoy this game. I mean, they, and the funny thing is, and I, I'm, I know this as somebody who's watched the Packers a lot, it's weird that Brady and Rodgers have only played head-to-head twice. Man. It just, you know, and then they had one at Lambeau and one at Foxborough. There was a couple – the injuries just got in the way. I mean, and you know, AFC and NFC teams only play each other once every four years anyway. So it's it's kind of been that star-crossed matchup. They're not, as, as Aaron said earlier this week, he's not playing Tom, even though that's how we get to look at it. And I think hopefully both quarterbacks will put on a show and make it one of those fun games. This is a game that the Packers normally lose. I hate saying that as a fan, but um, – you know, if they win this one, then you'll have to start to really believe that this is a team that that is fully capable of, uh, you know, being the best team in the NFL. Bill, want to spend a second here before we say goodbye on on Joe Burrow. What's Joe shown you? I know they got their first win. I know they they got limited to three points by Baltimore last weekend. Indy's really struggling at quarterback, but overall, Phillips been one of the good guys in the NFL. Uh, have you been encouraged? I know you're a Packer guy, but you're you're in Bengal territory. What's the feedback you're feeling? They they may not win more than four or five games. They may win fewer than that. I don't know. But uh, what's your takeaway so far in the early returns with Joe, and of course, a second year with with Zach Taylor? Um, they got to protect him better, and and that's something that's going to be a theme every week. Uh, The protection is weak. I think Joe Burrow stood in there and said all the right things. He is the right guy for that job. There's a lot of charisma to him. Um, But now they have to invest in their investment. You know what I mean? They've got to get him some better protection. He has good skill position talent around him, and their defense should improve. Um, But again, I just mentioned that division, right, Chris, where you're dealing with the Steelers and the Browns and the Ravens and that's that's a tough division to deal with, and I I love watching Joe Burrow play. I just hope he doesn't get hit so much this year that that it's kind of like that David Carr effect. I mean, he's on pace to take the most sacks in a single season. No, that's it. I mean, I look at Andrew Luck early right in his career where he he get whacked forty five to. 45 times or, or 30 plus. I mean, it was somewhere in that window. I don't, I don't have the exact number, but I mean, Burrow, what is the record? I mean, is he going to get, is he going to get sacked 70 times, 60 times on top of the fact that there's hurries and knockdowns? I mean, he should have been broken half bill a couple of times this year. He's a tough, tough kid. Yes. And I think it'll be something where, you know, we, we, we just got to – you can't take too many hits like that. Andrew Luck's a really good comparison because, you know, we didn't expect Andrew Luck to retire so soon. But if you look back at that early phase in his career when the Colts were rebuilding, he did take a lot of hits. So hopefully Burrow can play through that, and I think he will. And, uh, you know, it starts up front with the Bengals, and, and that's, that improvement has to continue. He can't take seven and eight sacks every week. No, and he's just getting crushed. Well, plenty of football this weekend. Let's hope it's COVID-free. Bill Bender, Sporting News, and good stuff from him on the NFL and college football at Bill Bender 92 Bill, always appreciate the time. Good to get caught up. Hey, no problem, Chris. Thanks so much. Good to talk to Bill Bender. I uh, love sneaking in some NFL there. And good thoughts on Nebraska from Bill Bender. Uh, speaking of Huskers, a Hall of Fame assistant, longtime man behind uh, that Husker secondary 
and it's football facts time. George Darlington. Coach knows a thing or two about the recruiting trail, knows a thing or two about trying to stop uh, those hybrid offensive players. So George Darlington checks in with us as uh, we'll talk uh, some offense, defense, and big red. George Darlington next on Hale Varsity. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome in a Hall of Fame coach with Nebraska. And uh, we say hi to George Darlington, longtime assistant uh, for Coach Osborne. And I tell you what, Coach, uh, football's almost here. It's got to make you smile a little bit. How you doing? Well, I'm doing better today, and I'm happy that uh, football is back. I hope that uh, maybe after one home game, the Big Ten will allow uh, partial stadium uh, participation. But as of now, of course, uh, that isn't the case. We can hope. <laughs> That'd be good. I know you're doing football facts again. We'll get there in a moment. But I want to start off with uh, Nebraska and this 2020 season and kind of get your feel. Still no decision yet on the quarterback situation. Uh, a good, uh, and I don't even call it a problem, a good depth and choices to have. But let's start off with Coach Frost and the offense here. Where do you think the team can make some strides here this season? Well, number one, as you mentioned, we have two excellent quarterbacks, and obviously one of them has played other positions at times, so you can uh, continue to do that. I think we've common thought is the offensive line will be improved, and the tight ends, uh, we have a wealth of tight end talent, and we could modify our some of our offense and uh, be a la Stanford in a way, and uh, some of the other offensive positions were okay, but the strength is a quarterback in, in the offensive line and at tight ends. Get into that a little bit, because you spent a lot of years trying to defend the tight end or the wide receivers, and you watch a lot of football, you know how valuable and what type of mismatch the tight end can be. Give us uh, some thoughts, if you can, just how how big a headache that can be when you flex out a big body that can run. Well, you can have a tight end lined up as a tight end next to the tackle, and then if he has the skill like the kid from Burke, you can split him out as a wide out and give you a height advantage against a smaller corner. Uh, so you, you have a lot of flexibility in that regard, and uh, it forces the other team, if they don't substitute to play wide receivers, all of a sudden uh, you have tight ends running uh, in the game or in the game that should win a lot of blocking battles. So it gives you more flexibility. If you have one good tight end and he's the only one you have, you pretty much tailor everything else to handle the wide receivers and obviously the running back. Coach, uh, with the quarterbacks, with McCaffrey, I think back to tonight. I think back to 1999, where you had Crouch play in different spots, and you had Newcomb start out at quarterback, and then Newcomb ended up shifting to wingback. But you guys got the ball to Crouch in a lot of different ways before he moved behind center, and you found ways to get the ball to Bobby. Is that something you expect to see with McCaffrey if he doesn't win the job? Well, I think that Scott might use McCaffrey differently than Bobby because Bobby finally 
they decided he was going to be strictly a wide receiver. And after the early games, he did not play quarterback. In the case of Nebraska right now, I would assume that both of them will be quarterbacks and uh, the whole time. And you'll have uh, McCaffrey uh, be in there with uh, Adrian at the same time, which uh, creates more problems for uh, defenses. Let's talk defense real quick. George Darlington's with us on Hale Varsity. Football facts. His course is back for another fall. Uh, the outside linebacker spot, I know you coached that for a number of years. And uh, Nebraska needs some production. They've got some bodies there. But, you know, what were things you looked for when you guys ran that 52 that was really a 3-4 uh, those years with outside linebacker? And do you, you think this is the year that maybe a step forward's taken off the edge for Nebraska? They've got some really good talent there. It just needs to emerge a little bit more. Well, it's going to have to because the defense last year was – one of the poor defenses in the nation. And it wasn't necessarily coaching or anything like that. It's just that we didn't have very good talent. And if the talent has not improved, uh, you know, we're going to be having it this season because uh, we had void positions last year where people were lining up and playing to their heart's uh, attempt, but they just didn't have the skill to compete against a good team and they didn't present any problems per se for the uh, opponent. Mm -hmm. We have to greatly improve defensively and we have to greatly improve in the kicking game. Uh, If you're going to win a game, you got to win two of the three phases at least. And if we don't stop the run and, um, you know, we're just going to be – in a bad shape of trying to guess uh, what to do in which situation. Uh, You've got to have the ability to force people to throw the ball (laughs) and have defensive backs that can match up. And quite frankly, last year, the linebacker positions and uh, part of the secondary were substandard. I'm not saying anything about their effort or anything like that couple of them had great, great attitudes, but they just weren't blessed with the talent to play uh, winning football. George Darlington, a few more minutes with us. Uh, longtime Nebraska assistant football facts is uh, his class uh, back for another year. What do you think of all these points, uh, all, the, all, the, all the points being scored, Coach, in college football the first few weeks? Well, they have some, you know, offenses have some good schemes. And they have talented people that uh, fit those schemes. And uh, you really have better have pretty good talent on defense because otherwise they can isolate a guy and make it awfully, awfully difficult. And um, it really gets back to talent and then scheme. You've got to have a sound scheme and then mix things up and take advantage of down and distance, et cetera. But uh, there's no question there are a lot of points being scored. And uh, the offenses have some some good schemes. Uh, but, again, you have to, on defense, figure out, okay, here's their scheme and this down-and-distance situation. Here's what we're going to do. We expect uh, 
high percentage of run, let's say, and and you have to be very sound, and you have to get a lot of repetition to compete. Coach, let's talk about football facts. How many <laughs> how many years have you been doing this? This is about my thirty fifth year, as near as I can figure, and uh, this has probably been the last five or six years where we've basically split the class that students from Omaha go to, um, or did go to Millard South, and the students in this area come to the old Gallup building, uh, Tuck building on uh, 68th Street uh, for an in-person class. So it uh, it's fun because uh, the hard thing for me is the Zoom class with the uh, Omaha group on a Tuesday night, but uh, class in uh, Lincoln will be pretty much normal. Of course, you'll have social distancing, that type of thing. George Darlington's with us, and your football facts in Lincoln in the old Gallup building, South 68th, going to run from Thursday, October 29th through December 10th, six classes. Of course, it'll be done virtually on Tuesdays uh, with the Millard South class or the Omaha class, Tuesday the 27th of October through December 8th. Coach, where do folks go to uh, to get signed up if there's any room left? And this will be pretty special. It's always fun and informative. But the film you're going to get, especially with as weird as 2020 is, it's going to be some pretty telling uh, behind-the-scenes stuff with, you know, what – what went on and why things happened within the game, correct? Yes, that, that's very true. It, it's going to be even more uh, advantageous this year because we can run back plays, which we always could, but often if you had sat in the stadium, you could see certain things. Well, now people can't sit in the stadium, and the TV only shows so much. And so I think the... Uh, class uh, along with the general approach to learning more football and learning the rule changes etc will be uh, very very vital and if a person's interested in football and the Huskers this will be a perfect situation for them and there will be limited seating because of the coronavirus so we'll only be allowed to have about 30 some people so it'll be important for people to call uh, Southeast Community Continuing Education and uh, or fax them and get, get enrolled for the class. That'll be good. Coach, last thought and excited for you to have another season of football facts. What's the message to the team? Do you remember an instance at all uh, before a, a big game or before a kind of a giant opponent? And I know Nebraska uh, for a lot of years was that opponent for, for many teams, but now look at this game coming up a week from Saturday against Ohio State. What's the message to the kids to get them ready? I mean, they're excited, absolutely, to play, but they're going up against a team that could win it all. Well, it's going to be a great opportunity for them. I assume our players, first and second team, are getting a lot of repetition and practice, and they need to have confidence and be excited to go play Ohio State. Two years ago when we went there, uh, we scored first, 
Uh, we faked the kick, which uh, could, now we would say we shouldn't have tried. And then late in the game, we missed a block and had a wide-open receiver to go ahead late in the fourth quarter. So uh, two years ago, we played them extremely well there. They're very talented, but uh, the ball is oblong. <laughs> It'll fumble, and uh, if you're playing sound football and you're prepared, uh, you've got a good chance. We just need to improve in those areas where we had problems last year. The kicking game especially, we lost probably two games on kickoff coverage, and one of them being the Iowa game at the end of the year. And uh, those things, I'm sure, have been addressed. And uh, hopefully they, the kicking game will be much, much improved and then like I mentioned you've got to be able to stop the run especially in the Big Ten and uh, if you can't stop the run you're just going to be struggling you're going to have to outscore people. George Darlington longtime assistant Hall of Fame coach for Nebraska football facts get involved with it the uh, Southeast Community College get signed up with coach Darlington and uh, a look-see at Nebraska football 2020. Coach uh, you stay healthy best to you thanks so much for joining us today. Well thanks a lot great to chat with you and it's exciting to have uh, Husker football back. And now and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Good stuff from George Darlington. We are at Wilderness Ridge tomorrow. The happy hour with Hail Varsity. You're invited out four to six. Shuey will be riding shotgun with me. So uh, please come see us. Uh, great food and drink specials. The deck will be not only heated. They've got those those little heater areas, but it'll be covered if you've not been out to Wilderness Ridge. Please do check it out. It's uh, just fantastic. But 60 and sunny tomorrow. I don't think there's going to be a ton of wind here in Lincoln. So uh, come on out, see us, enjoy uh, the show live. Uh, We'll have speakers set up outside for you to check the show out. And uh, plenty of football to talk because uh, eight days away from Nebraska football against uh, the Ohio State University. Reminder about uh, buckling up 70% of fatal crashes in Nebraska. Not wearing a seatbelt, if used properly, seatbelts can reduce the risk of fatal injury by 60%. Your best defense in any crash is buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So, let's talk about buckling up for Ohio State. Let's get ready. As... uh, Ohio State is 21-and-a-half-point favorites. Damon, did you know a guy that lived down the hall from you early in your college career that you could go to and say, here's 100, give me the Buckeyes? I never, I never had that bookie connection in a good Ever? old SRAM. No, <laughs> I didn't make those connections. Man, that there year. was, there was always the guy in the corner door. One, one corner uh, had a green thumb. The other uh, was all about setting the line. So, listen uh, again to be continued on whether that spread will move up or down. But Wandale, he isn't a fan. Of that 21 and a half, he was asked about it today. Here's what the Husker standout wide receiver had to say. All right, they can have it. I don't really – that's kind of how I look at it. 
at the end of the day, there's not 21 points on the board already, 0-0. So whoever comes out and plays the best, whoever comes out and fights, that's how I look at it. I don't really, we don't really care too much about the favorites or anything like that. We just got to come out and play football and play our game. That tone of voice, all right. I mean, it's plenty of motivation anyway, but <laughs> whatever, man. Hey, we'll see. We'll see. Ohio State may be out for blood. And I know Nebraska's ready to try and uh, right some wrongs from last year. And some of the guys remember two years ago. So let's talk about Cade Warner and all the work he's done as a blocker, as a leader, as a pass catcher, as a guy that's healthy. But specifically, uh, the, the, the work that is getting the most talk today, the facial hair. Some of us have had different gory phases of facial hair some of us haven't and you know what he is going full mario here is uh kate on the stash today um usually it's a fall camp stash um so this season has been kind of a a weird fall camp kind of elongated so my mustache is growing and growing and then i'll probably cut it come the first game but i'm getting some people from the team telling me no 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 keep it keep it keep it so We'll see. Um, trust me, I don't think it looks good. I just think it's funny. I just wear it because it gets a little laugh from people here and there. Um, but, yeah, it's a fun little thing um, to have, I guess. Ron Jeremy called and wants your mustache. Tom Selleck has called and wants your mustache. Val Kilmer, all right, called and said, I'm your, your, I'm your Huckleberry. Uh, in Tombstone, once that mustache. So there have been great eras of mustache wearing. Jordan Westerkamp, of course, uh, about seven, eight years ago, burst onto the scene with the stash, and now Warner's picked that up and ran with it. Would you keep it? Damon, are you going to grow one in tribute this year? If I could, I, I get about uh, like six weeks in and it's just barely starting to show. So I don't think I could come anywhere close. Would you go with the Fu, Fu Manchu? <laughs> that, I, I guess that's what I would. I'd have to go that route, I think. That's, not just not just the stash, but go a little bit you go a little, further down yeah, with the soul patch. I, the soul patch is really what would bring that together. I, I think. think so. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I, I don't I my my dad had an incredible mustache. I never tried to replicate it. <laughs> so I I don't know that I'll go there. There there is a rule that if you grow a, a mustache, one of your two vehicles needs to be a windowless van. Elijah has grown a mustache and has been beaten mercifully mercilessly for it. More from uh I about called him Westercamp. More from Warner and these football watch parties. Uh, this is pretty good camaraderie. This is leadership off the field. Yeah, so it all started um, me just asking the guys because obviously there's some stuff we can go over and film, and we only have a certain amount of time allotted per week to go over different things. Um, and there's different questions you can ask somebody um, when you're their player and they're doing the things and then when they're a coach. So I kind of just hit up all the receivers and I said, hey, 
I am free any day. I am bored. I just play video games all day. Use my free time, please. I'm tired of doing this. Use my free time. Come over during the games. We can have, I can bring snacks. Come over. I'll just put a whiteboard up and we'll just explain play. So um, a latte has been there. A bunch of young guys have been there. And it's really just me going over what I see on the field and how I attack defenses. And I think that when you understand a defense and their weaknesses and their strengths and where we're trying to hit different plays, it can help you run routes in terms of the timing and depth you have to be. Um, so there's different ways to run routes. I just like to go over that with guys. And I love talking football, so it was a great little getaway for me to be able to talk to them. And I hope they've learned a lot of it, uh, a lot from it. Um, but, yeah, I, I keep doing those. Um, whenever people hit me up, I've had guys after the first couple sessions, I kind of weaned away. And I said, all right, we'll see if they want to hit me up. And I've had guys hit me up every week um, to kind of go over and keep doing it. So I think they like it. I think they're learning a little something from it. Um, but I, I enjoy it, and it's good to see guys wanting to learn. You want to talk practical application? Right. I'll never use this in my real world. Well, football's football. And yeah, this is what is happening in the Chiefs game. Here's what Tariq Hill ran. And here's how it maybe fits or meshes with the Nebraska offense. Uh, More from Warner here when it comes to standing out in camp. Uh, well, I think first and foremost, I mean, everyone always says it when they talk about me. I know the plays. I know what I'm doing. Um, and I think that helps, especially with the young wide receiver room we have. Uh, a lot of guys are learning the playbook for the first time. A lot of guys were on scout team last year, didn't, aren't familiar with it. So I think me knowing the playbook immediately and being thrust into that leadership role when kind of everybody left was a big part of it. Um, and then, yeah, so then I, I know what I'm doing. And then uh, I've done a good job being able to make plays when my number's called this fall camp. And I think that comes with kind of a little bit of a culture reset we've had in the wide receiver room. Uh, that me, Wando, Coach Lubick, and all the guys have done a really good job kind of setting. Um, so I'm excited for that. Uh, we're not afraid to make plays. We're not afraid to mess up. Um, that's a big thing. And I think another thing, too, is with Lubick here, it's a, it's a kind of a blank slate. And I think with a blank slate um, comes more confidence. Uh, I think I'm able to play with more confidence in the field. I think a lot of guys are not being afraid to fail. We preach that a lot. And I think that is becoming more of a tool for the wide receivers this whole year. And I'm really excited to show you all this season uh, what the wide receivers have in store. We'll hear uh, a last thought here from uh, Matt Lubick. And just what does that rotation look like at wide receiver? Is there a Xavier Betts alert? More to come. We'll wind down Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. All right, the gauntlet has been thrown down by Uncle Mark. So, in reference to the Westercamp slash Warner stash devotion today. We, uh, we, the Schmidt boys, are going to grow a mustache until Nebraska's first win. <laughs> that sounds so wrong. That sounds so disrespectful. We're going to grow it until they win. Like, Nebraska's not going to. Okay, schedule's a schedule. So this could be kind of funny. And it, it, it'll keep our wives away from us. Because clearly that's always a problem. So, yeah. I, I will look like I need to be locked up. 
straight up. And I don't think it, I don't think it's going to come in. I, I don't like I can go full stubble, and when the uh, facial hair gets a, a little longer, it's white. I'm freaking Santa, which absolutely sucks. Wide receivers. Let's talk uh, about the the receiver rotation. Where's Xavier Betts fit into that? Where's Alante? Where's Wandale? I don't think we have time for Lubick's comments on the health thing. Uh, but but Wandale and and Alante are healthy now. They're they're full go, as Coach Lubick said. But this is the thought here on on that wide receiver rotation. How set is that? How deep is it? Where's Betts fit in? We have not made that decision. Um, Xavier in the last two weeks has made some big steps. Uh, he's getting reps, you know, with the twos. Uh, we do a lot of reps, so we, we're able to rep some of our freshmen and give them shots with the ones. We have ones, twos, and threes, and we kind of intermix them. Uh, it's too early to say. He, he's made some big improvements. I do think he'll help us this year. But for this week, we, we haven't decided on that. And when it comes to how many guys you're going to play in a rotation, you're going to play as many guys that can help you win. The, the, if we feel confident in a whole bunch of guys that know their assignment and can help us win, we're going to play more guys. If we feel confident in just four guys, we're going to play those four guys. Uh, fortunately, we, we feel confident that we'll have multiple guys that we can kind of move in and out there that can execute and win us football games. Good stuff. Uh, I think they've got bodies. Are, are guys ready to go make plays? And how much of the playbook do they know? And what can you – if he's working with the twos, great. I mean, Betts physically is a dude that can, can go make plays for you against Ohio State. How much can you ask of him to do this early in his career? So get the podcast. It's on Spotify. It's on Google Play. It's on Apple. And uh, check the podcast out tomorrow. Wilderness Ridge, happy hour with Hale Varsity. I'll be there with Mike Shuart. Shuey is sitting in tomorrow. He is riding shotgun. And uh, please come see us. Four to six out on the deck. There's heaters. There's, there's, there's bourbon. There's vodka. There's golf. Uh, it's an incredible time. And the fall colors are beautiful. So come see us out at Wilderness Ridge. Happy hour with Hale Varsity. Four to six. Stay for an incredible dinner afterwards. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for spending time. Great stuff from Gary Barnett, Brandon Vogel, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. And it was awesome to catch up with longtime assistant and Hall of Famer George Darlington with Nebraska football. For Damon Barr, Chris Schmidt, talk to you tomorrow from Wilderness Ridge.